Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Minisode 106 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional dude of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart! Yay! We are back, isn't it nice? It is nice to be back, it is nice to be back. Obviously we took some time off for very important reasons, I would say. Yep, thanks to everybody for uh, your support with that. But yeah, we're back and we're ready to chat to you again and bend your ear about the shape we've been watching and all sorts of other things for this week. How are you? I'm pretty good, mate. I'm okay, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of adapting a bit to the situation now, the current climate. You think you're getting there? I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a usual, I'm, I'm by turns totally fine with it and going absolutely stir-crazy. I will say it has been challenging attempting to work my day job and be a dad at the same time, but it's uh, certainly becoming easier and I'll be honest with you, I would certainly rather be working from home than sat in an office. That's understandable, that's fair. Um, but outside of that, outside of those various things you've been juggling, been watching anything this mm. week? Yeah, I've got a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to touch on two things that we've talked about many times on the show before, just quickly because they're both available now from their respective distributors. Okay. So first I got Arrow Video's Blu-ray release of After Midnight. Oh, okay. Now Which? this package looks amazing. This film, I, 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 I'm not even going to weigh in on it. Everybody knows that I love this film. But mm. uh, yeah, the package from Arrow looks amazing. Yeah, it is. It's excellent. I have watched it again. And I, I, th- I think the film gets better every time I, I watch it. I think you had said that previously. I think you're a couple of watches ahead of me uh, mm-hmm. after, on After Midnight. There's a commentary on there, which is actually pretty cool as well, which I, I had a listen to with uh, <laughs> Jeremy Gardner and Christine Stella. And quite a, there's a couple of points where the recording got fucked up. So Christian Stella kind of says, hi, this is me from the future. <laughs> Just like <laughs> filling in the gaps, which is it's quite cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's an excellent film, and the battery's on there as well. First time on Blu-ray, revisited the battery as well, and it's it still holds up. It's a great film, a real showcase of what you can do with a lot of imagination and creativity and very little money. Absolutely, hundred percent. It's that's really great. Yeah, I think that's all that we really need to say any further about After Midnight. Really, we both love it, but just kind of mentioning the package, a lot going on there. So that's available oh, yeah. now from Arrow in the, mm-hmm. in the UK and indeed everywhere else, right? Yeah, yes, I believe so. Excellent. It's been on the Arrow Video channel for quite a long time now. Oh, I know. <laughs> but it's there as well if you want to check it out also the lighthouse ah yeah did that just come out this week on home release it did yeah yeah oh nice i don't know if we've discussed the lighthouse in any great detail i can't remember i'm sure we have i think we both saw it in the cinema in the same week we talked about it then but that was a while ago it was a while ago still love it amazing stuff there's a really interesting commentary with Robert Eggers on there which I'm always really keen to hear what Robert Eggers has to say coming from things from a kind of production design background that like he does to, to see how things are put together and his approach to filmmaking and he's just a really interesting filmmaker to me 
one of the most mm-hmm. interesting filmmakers working in the genre just now, I think. Oh, yeah, I think that that's undeniable at this point. I didn't like The Lighthouse as much as I like The Witch, but I do like it a lot. And I think that, yeah, he's one of those people who I think that just keeps on doing stuff that keeps me interested enough to see what he's doing next. Yeah, and, and as far as I know, Nosferatu is still flying around there in the ether for him. Yeah, I know that some people get kind of precious about those things, but as far as I'm concerned, if you're giving that to anybody, he'd be your guy. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think any kind of historical horror slots perfectly into his wheelhouse. Yes, aha, absolutely. Completely agree. But yeah, that's out there now, The Lighthouse. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's excellent. Very moody. Not really light entertainment, I wouldn't say. No. Uh, but it's out there now on Blu-ray. Go and check it out. I've got another thing, but we'll come to that. Okay, no worries. Um, I have a couple of things across a couple of platforms. I watched Andrew Patterson's The Vast of Night on Amazon Prime. Oh, shit. Yeah, I've watched this. Uh, yeah, Um. so... I did a little bit of looking into the background of Andrew Patterson. He has no other credits apart from this film. And he directed, produced, wrote, and edited it under a variety of pseudonyms. <laughs> and that sometimes sets alarm bells ringing in my head. Uh, the Vastinate, I think it's one of my favourite films of the year, actually. Basically, what you have here is it's set in the 1950s, and you have these two kids that run a high school radio station, and they are there one night where most of the town is at this uh, kind of big basketball game. Right. And they are just kind of running a radio show that evening, and there's some mysterious frequencies come in, and it basically just widens out from there it's presented in the style of being like an episode from a twilight zone style show mm-hmm. i love this like i really really loved it i think i loved like, it the, I, I think it gets the whole spirit of that kind of era spot on it gets the period detail really nice i really like the whole like say presenting it as part of an anthology thing i think all that stuff's really cool yeah i thought this was brilliant it's like i say it's on amazon prime and for someone to come out of the blue as far as film fans are concerned with something like this is staggering in my opinion i would agree it's far and away one of the most impressive debuts i've seen in a long long time yeah, it's awesome. It's really, really good. Also, I uh, jumped onto the Arrow video channel this week, actually. To oh, watch... did you indeed? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, to watch Miguel Lanzo's Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway. Oh, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff coming in on emails from PR companies and stuff about this, but I haven't got around to watching it yet, but it seems very much like something I would like. Would you agree? It's, yeah, it's fucking mental. I think you'd like it a lot. But this is a 2020 release. What you basically have here is a computer virus right. ravaging the world, and uh, these two agents have to kind of like go under as an the digital world to try and stop it and every time this happens it happens in like this very old timey herky jerky stop motion right? Uh, where they each have kind of like Robert Redford masks and masks of actors over their faces okay it's really really funny and the whole style of it is really but I don't want to say too much about it because it touches on so many different influences and pays homage to so many things but it's 80 minutes long it's uniformly just absolutely crackers like and more so and more so <laughs> as it goes on but I, yeah I think that like it starts out being this kind of like it peaks the curiosity at the beginning but it was one of those things where I was like right I'm either going to really take to this or it's really going to try my patience mm-hmm. and yeah I realised pretty quick which way that was going to go so yeah uh, Jesus shows you the way to the highway available now on the Arrow video channel like that a lot Um, I had mixed success with my visits to Shudder this week right okay carry on so I revisited Elliot Goldner's The Borderlands. Oh, that's a fucking great film. Best found footage film of the last maybe seven or eight years, maybe? Can't think of a better one off the top of my head. Yeah, it's amazing. So you've got kind of a couple of Vatican investigators turning up in this kind of rural English town to investigate something and basically just, again, just kind of widen out from there. I think that this is amazing. It's a shame that this is Elliot Goldner's only directorial credit for a feature. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see what more there is him to do or what he would do do next because this is this is amazing i put something on twitter about this this week actually and i said that i always forget how because i've seen it 
three, four times maybe. I sure. always forget how out and out terrifying the end of that film is. Right, yeah. It's, I, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't want to say too much about it, but like the film sells you so hard on their skepticism that where this ends up going is just like so traumatic in so many ways. I love it. Like I, I wish it's, it, it played um, Fright Fest in London the first year that I went. It was its world premiere, but I missed it. And that was the film last year that you miss. And then every time you talk to someone, you're like, oh, how was the Borderlands? And they're like, oh, it was incredible. For fuck's sake. Yeah. You know, there's always one. Like, oh, one year it was Coherence, and yeah, the Borderlands was it. That one year. Cut of the Dead. And yes, One Cut of the Dead, although I was, like, I caught that one, thankfully. Yeah. But yeah, the Borderlands was one of those, and just like, as this past couple of weeks came with the announcement that Fright Fest won't be happening in August, mm-hmm. and they're going to try and expand the Halloween event in October into something a little bit bigger. So that kind of put me on my mind years of Fright Fest's past, if you will, which prompted me to dig this out. So I thought it was great. It gets better every time I watch it. Uh, the Borderlands is available now. It's class. That's a solid recommendation from us both, actually. 100%, absolutely less so confessional <laughs> I'd forgot you watched this because I was kind of getting a, a blow by blow as it, as it went along <laughs> yeah confessional was a Shudder original that you may remember me mentioning on the streaming platforms a couple of weeks ago and saying sure. that it sounded like something that I might like now I need to stop saying this because I always think oh look at this kind of vaguely trashy sounding thing that all unfolds in one location that's the kind of thing I like it's like well I love those when they're done well but I need to stop just watching things because of that <laughs> Like I, like, I need to start being a little bit more discerning in that way. Confessional, what you have is it's presented in the style of this kind of like student film. Okay. By an anonymous filmmaker who has set up a confessional booth on a university campus following the deaths of two students. And I think it's like seven students come and make their air quotes confessionals into the camera although there are cameras on their left and right as well so they can turn to other cameras for dramatic uh, effect. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, just 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 to add to add a little bit of uh, razzle dazzle to their confessionals that just uh, that happens throwing casual looks at camera like john krasinski in the office yes yeah, pretty much that to be honest yeah Fuck um, off. when it started and you kind of got the description of what had happened and they were all turning up and starting to tell their stories i was like yeah okay yeah you know like and i was like i like this kind of thing i said still trying to convince myself of this fact i was like yeah this is this is this is my speed this is right up my uh, right up my alley after about half an hour i was like oh my god I hate this. Like, I just I really, really <laughs> don't like it at all. Um, everyone in it is a dick. I don't want to be too spoilery about it, right? Sure. If, if you are spoiler conscious about confessional, skip ahead maybe a minute. One of the people who's kind of complicit in this entire operation, because a central part of it is the kind of mystery of who's behind this and how they know the things they know and all this kind of thing. And one of the people who's complicit in it is, well, guessable after about 20 minutes for a start, but also features in all the promo images for it. Just yeah. that person. <laughs> Like I say, it's quite trashy. I think if it caught me in a better mood, then I might have been more amenable to how kind of silly it gets and more forgiving of some of the shortcomings performance-wise and things like that. But I think that I was just in a situation or I was in a mood where I wasn't necessarily ready to give that much leeway to things like that. Okay. So, confessional, not for me. But if it sounds like your thing, and I think that there is an audience out there for this kind of thing, and I think, and I did once consider myself amongst them, but like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if it does sound like your thing, give it a whack. It's on Shudder now. It's out there now. Confessional. I've hovered over it a few times, if I'm perfectly honest. Since I've spoken to you about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. well, I, and just before, but uh, yeah, I'll maybe uh, just brush past it for now. There's better ways to spend your time. Yeah, and Scare Package should be coming to Shudder UK soon. We'll get to that shortly. All right, okay, wonderful. Uh, so... Mitch, what you seen from the 90s? Now, I did watch something from the 90s this week, and I did allude to what it was at the end of Friday's episode with Joey, 
I am not going to say any more about that right now for reasons which will become apparent. In fact, we can maybe just tell them now. Yeah. So as you may have seen from our social media, this Friday, June the 19th, we will be doing another live Zoom watch along. We will indeed. Now, again, just like last time, uh, this is not a replacement for an episode. We also won't be recording it. No. So we will still have an episode coming out on Friday. More on that in a little bit. But on Friday, we will be around about 8 p.m. again, gathering around the Zoom mics and cameras with hopefully some of you guys as well. Judging by the turnout on the vote, we're hoping there'll be a few of you. We did our usual this week. We spun the Wheel of Names. Um, <laughs> we did indeed. Thanks to wheelofnames.com. Yes, <laughs> loyal servants. <laughs> so we did whittle it down to a final three. The Bye Bye Man first out again. Again. Gee, that's just um, bad luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did put a look down to Galaxy of Terror, Wishmaster, and the 2010 Elm Street remake. <laughs> yes. I think it is fair to say at this point that it was an absolute runaway win for Wishmaster. I would say on, on an equal scale to the victory that Species enjoyed. Yeah, I would say so. It was it was it was that much of a triumph. Also, you guys love 90s horror. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like those contenders are absolutely trumping the competition at every turn here yeah. you've so, got a theory though don't you that if, if you put something really new or something really old it's going to be the older thing that's always generally going to win uh yeah that's my theory on this and uh <laughs> yeah that's yet to be disproven but yeah we have got wishmaster this week as our watch along film we are watching wishmaster on friday night hopefully with some of you i also watched it a couple of weeks ago before we got to deciding what we were going to watch so i'm not going to talk about it now because we're going to be talking about it a lot at the end of the week <laughs> like in its entirety exhaustively so so yeah now an interesting spin on this this week uh, because of scheduling conflicts mm -hmm. in that you did smoky thriller friday by yourself <laughs> well see i didn't because we had made an agreement that look we've got loads of stuff on you've got music stuff going on i've got other things going on in the background as well we thought we don't have the time for a smoky thriller. No, that's true. We, we, did, we did have to just concede that. But what I will say is this. So we got an email the other day from Alok Mishra, who is a producer, uh, produced a film called Apartment 1BR. Or I think as okay. it's getting released, it might be released here as 1BR or vice versa. I can't remember exactly. Now I decided, sure, man, we'll, I'll watch this. We'll talk about it. And I put it on. And for the first maybe 20 minutes, I thought... Wow, this feels very much like it could fit quite nicely into a smoky thriller Friday, right? Mm -hmm. So I settled in to watch it, expecting perhaps similar to previous smoky thrillers that we've had. So basically, it's about a girl, Sarah, who moves into this flat, she moved to LA, living on her own, and very quickly, weird things start to happen to her in this flat. She hears noises, she's getting kind of threatening letters through the door. And then around about the 25 minute mark, there's a kind of weather gear shift where I was like, oh, okay, this has suddenly got incredibly interesting in a way that I hadn't expected. And then what we actually have here is this weird culty, and I say culty in so much as like, if you think of like Waco rather than house of the devil okay kind of thing that goes on and on and continues kind of evolving and turning and ultimately ends like the last 30 seconds ends very similarly to the invitation okay so i, I went into this film not really knowing anything about it because i didn't really want to know too much about it going in thought early on huh smoky thriller and actually what i got was something far far more impressive than that i had i really massively enjoyed this film but I, I, I had a great time with it and Looking into it a bit more, it premiered at Fantastic Fest in 2019. It's really quite good. And I'm happy to hold my hands up and say that 
my initial thoughts on the film going into it because early on in the thing I thought eh, some of this acting is not great but round about that 25 minute turn it gets really interesting and really quite good something happens round about the 25 minute mark as well that I texted you about uh, while I was watching and I was just like oh shit uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and, and that's really the point that it all changes and everything gets a lot more kind of dark and sinister from there I really like this I, I'm not entirely sure what the release schedule is for this but I would say find it and seek it out and massive thanks to Alok for getting in touch with us and sending this over because yeah it's it's pretty good I would suggest you watch it because we've got the link cool no I will definitely do that I'll definitely do that so yeah they've been saying a decent amount on the feedback this week a lot of it centering on uh, Hellboy well of course they've been saying a lot about Hellboy this has been a divisive one yeah big thank you once again to Joey Keel returning to the show to talk Hellboy 2019 with us this past Friday hope you guys enjoyed that and by the sounds of it you did yeah Joey Keel is welcome back anytime absolutely first off on this point we have got Barry Delgarno uh, Delgarno Barry I'll be checking this one out I've seen the film and I'm not entirely sure on which side I come down. Is it as good as the Del Toro films? No, nowhere near it, but this film is entertaining enough in its own way. However, Marshall was totally screwed with this film. When he was announced, I was over the moon. A Neil Marshall Hellboy? Yes. But from what I've read, he was completely overruled and undermined during the production to the point that he didn't even show up to promote the film. Interesting. We didn't touch on that at all during the conversation, but that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that, but as I had mentioned during the recording, I knew that he didn't have final cut on it. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry to hear that it was such a, a bad experience for him, to be honest. Yeah, that is that is a shame. Uh, I think that you've got the bulk of the stuff on Hellboy. So you wanna you wanna run through some of that? I've got fucking loads on Hellboy here. Let's kick off with at scared sheepless our pal Caitlin saying, "Ooh, this week's strong violent PC sounds interesting." Always thought the trailers for this looked decent, although admittedly I have no idea or investment in the character or mythology around it. No idea what that would be like. Yeah, <laughs> you guys should chat about it. <laughs> uh, and if Caitlin watches it, she should reach out to Mitch and see if either one of you can make head nor tail of it. Yes, agreed. Kean O'Brien at Not So Kean got in touch to say, as a mostly pretty strong defender of this film, I'm really looking forward to this. Joey then reached out in solidarity to her Hellboy brother, to which Kean said that essentially. They're a rare breed, but they're absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) Andy McEwen got in touch at Andy McEwen 1, not to be mistaken for Andy McEwen 2. Three. Great episode, guys. From English accents that sound a lot like Bender from Futurama to nerds. So going to watch (laughs) this film now and read Joey's fangirl review thingy. Totally made my day. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Andy. You got anything else in Hellboy? No. Okay, in that case, I'm going to touch on a couple of miscellaneous things. Mm, I've got some of those too. Yeah, I want to say hello to film fan Stevie, who has been subjecting himself to a lot of crap during lockdown. And he's kind of given himself a break. He just said, time for tonight's classic film at home during isolation. He was watching Citizen Kane. Okay, only one of the best films ever made. So a bit of a turnaround in fortunes for Stevie there. Yeah, yeah. I've got something from Stevie, actually, that is kind of obliquely linked to the Hellboy episode. During that episode, if you've listened to it, I mentioned the John Goodman film from, I believe, the 90s, King Ralph. Mm -hmm. Stevie's seen it, uh, and he's advising people (laughs) to not do the same thing. All right, okay, I see. He believes that people won't survive watching it. Well, that's a damning indictment. But uh, yeah, Stevie, once again, taking the hit so you don't have to. (laughs) Absolutely. I want to say hello to John Paul Fitch really quickly on uh, Twitter, who has been entertaining us in a variety of ways this week, some of which you won't know about yet. He's tweeted us this week saying, I've listened to pretty much all of your episodes, but can't remember if you guys have done the radical work of modern art that is Highlander 2, The Quickening. If not, who else but Mitch should cover it on his 90s side quest? Go on, you know you want to. So we told him that we hadn't done it. 
Mm -hmm. um and said you know like maybe we will do it as part of the 90s side project john paul then started a poll in the chud locker <laughs> saying sh saying should midge watch highlander 2 uh where the options were yes yes definitely absolutely and yes with additional yes john paul fitch uh, voice of the silent majority rounding up people to encourage me to watch highlander 2 uh, across a number of platforms this week <laughs> <laughs> wonderful stuff uh by the way it's hot garbage uh, yeah, I had a feeling it might be. I didn't think that he was recommending it to me because he thought I'd love it. So, uh, Panda at Pretty Stuns getting in touch to say, Petition for Strong Violent PC to make That Dog's a Fucking Goner t-shirts. Also, <laughs> yes, I'm still behind in catching up. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, I think it's probably a slightly distasteful thing to have on a shirt, but yeah, I hear that. Um, more so than more... a t-shirt about monkeys eating your genitals yeah you know what yeah we're through the looking glass on that point really aren't we <laughs> i just want to say one more thing really quickly and it was about the watch along poll because well the most divisive one on there was uh, nightmare on elm street 2010 some people were saying that we should avoid it at all costs uh, other people saying that we should avoid it at all costs and therefore we should definitely watch it <laughs> just want to uh, mention really quickly that uh, abner pastel former guest replied to this tweet or a couple of tweets talking about this and people kind of trying to swear off elm street 2010 with a social distancing guideline diagram mm -hmm. <laughs> which had uh, covid 19 uh this acceptable distance is 1.5 meters yes and uh, people who think that Elm Street 2010 is better than the original, a distance of 100 metres. I think that's absolutely fair. It was a total wild card choice from me, plucked from the meagre offerings on Netflix UK. I think you were being deliberately reactionary there, if I'm being honest. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, also have something from Scout the Horizon, Mitch Harrod. Mitch has said on this same topic, by the way, that he will create so many fake accounts to swing the vote so he never has to watch Nightmare on Elm Street again. This is why Wishmaster has won. Absolutely. I mean, when you're faced with an impossible choice, what do you do? Well, exactly. <laughs> um, you got anything else before we move on? I don't. In that case. Yeah. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and uh, any identifying text and leave only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. Last week, we had Rock and Roll Nightmare. We did, yes. Reappropriated by me as intergalactic heavy metal space opera Space Rock 4 Power Slide into Terror. <laughs> sure and uh, we had a couple of people get in touch with pictures of their own because we do encourage you to do that uh laura bynan getting in touch with uh coming for your soul in summer 1987 rock god marshall stack takes on the moral majority <laughs> in a deadly game of strat and mouse don't miss devil's card three brown note <laughs> uh, cp buckley deep breath on this one when aspiring hair metaler trey abaddon rings a bell mm. meets a beautiful woman karen woodmaker in a rundown bar in louisiana she tells him she can make him a star and he agrees but soon Trey starts to hear nightmarish warnings about the woman at first he brushes them off but when his father insults his band and winds up dead he starts to wonder he tells Karen who admits that she killed his father and that she'll kill anyone who stands in the way of the band that night Trey has a nightmare and sees another rocker covered in blood it's Steve Six Strings from the original Oof. I suspect yeah, who sure. warns him that the woman is a demon he says he can help Trey travels to a prison where he meets Steve who tells him he has to kill her 
Trey asks how, and Steve says he must renounce the ways of metal and give up his music. Trey reluctantly agrees as he hears that several local bar owners have been murdered by a mysterious woman. He goes to Karen and tells her he's giving up on music. She transforms into a demon, but when Trey says maybe I'll move into banking, she screams and bursts into flames before disappearing. Twelve years later, having forgotten the events, Trey once again finds his old guitar, and as he plays a single power chord, hears Steve's voice screaming for him to stop, but it's too late as a demon returns and decapitates him. Oh, it's man. 1990's mistimed supernatural hair metal sequel, while the guitar loudly screams to Six String Reunion Tour. <laughs> again, CP removing any possible criticism or questioning of his pitches by giving us all the detail we need. Leaving absolutely nothing to the imagination whatsoever there. Uh, last week's winner, Zombies Lou, getting in touch. School is most definitely out for pals Faxel Machine and Slash. Released <laughs> from prison via the possessed guitar pick, they still have an appetite for destruction. It's 1985's follow-up horror classic Guts and Roses 2. Softer rocks, harder cocks. <laughs> and Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter when a heavy metal band accidentally summon the demon Beleth with lyrics they found in an old spellbook they must try to vanquish him before he slaughters all of their hard won fan base it's 1988's Beleth to be the damned <laughs> <laughs> that's your lot well I think it's going to be a clean sweep for Laura Bynan uh, Marshall Stack and Devil's Chord 3 Brown Note yes double win for Laura double helping and nothing nice work superb so moving on then Okay, it's your turn. I'm particularly excited about this image coming at you now. Let's see what we got. Okay. <laughs> so there's no border to the image and the background is black. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a bed that is in curious isolation. There's no bedside tables, no lamps, no anything. <laughs> um, with a kind of turquoise duvet and a kind of pale off-white throw. Uh, we have a couple who are certainly naked from the waist up. Uh, for all for all I know, they're wearing business trousers underneath there. I couldn't speculate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a man and a woman. The woman is on our right. She has blonde hair. The man is on our left. He has very dark hair. They are both Caucasian and in a lover's embrace. <laughs> um, on the wall above them, smashing through the wall, there is a uh, giant head and two hands. Mm-hmm. The head belongs to an angry-looking person, wide-eyed, kind of growling at the camera, if you like, teeth bared. Uh, left hand has uh, long, painted red nails. Uh, right hand is holding a knife. So uh, post or perhaps pre-coital couple in marital bed while the wall is being smashed through by giant, bald, knife-wielding woman. I would say pre-coital because the man hasn't fallen asleep. Uh, okay, that's fair. That's kind of, I think, the pretty much the bare bones of what you need to know for that one. Yeah, 100%. Right, I'll need a moment. Sure, you've got it. It's not the most welcoming bedroom scene I've ever seen, Mick. What was that one we did a while ago where the, the bed was on fire and there was another demon and two oh, women? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I have no idea what the film was or what I pitched, but I remember the one you're talking about. Even though the bed was on fire, it was more welcoming than this barren room, this concrete block that these two people appear to be about to engage in sex in. Yeah, yeah, I would say that this, this, this flat came unfurnished. It's also possible, looking at this image, that this could in fact be a diorama and that is a full-grown woman's head and hands. I suppose that's also true. <laughs> uh-huh, fair enough. Like, you know those those things at the beach with the holes in them and you put your head through and you look, you're dressed like a policeman? Yes, yeah, I know the ones you mean. Yeah, yeah, it could be that. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait for this. Right, here we go. Well-to-do newlyweds Jen and Robert Easymarks are adapting to life with their young child Edmund in the leafy suburb of Little Suspicion. 
However, trying to keep their romantic life alive and well while juggling both their careers and a newborn proves to be challenging, and they enlist the help of austere live-in nanny Constance Demand to lighten the load. Initially, things seem to be going well, and the couple soon find themselves rediscovering their lost spark. However, their overt sexual chemistry does not sit well with Constance and her rigorous morals. More pressing than that, however, is her ongoing inner conflict as she finds herself increasingly attracted to Robert and his easygoing, charismatic masculinity. <laughs> At odds with her beliefs and her heightening lust, Constance sets out to take Jen's place in the family unit forever. The family unit will never be the same in 1992's Operation Partner Replacement, demand that rocks the cradle. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, then. <sighs> right, okay. So, uh, what year did you say? I said 92. You said 92, right, okay. Yes. Well, uh, that's that, That's absolutely fine. I can tell you, you're not a million miles off. It was 1986. Okay, not too bad. Directed by David Decoto. Okay. It's Dreamaniac. Dreamaniac, all right. Um, <laughs> what is this about? And more importantly, who's the synopsisizer? The synopsisizer, I'm sorry to tell you, is anonymous. Oh, okay. A mystery man. A heavy metal musician makes a deal with a satanic succubus to make him successful with women in return for the succubus being able to feed on the girls. <laughs> Very good. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask? And I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to shine any light on that. I haven't seen it, no. I haven't oh, seen well. it, but look at that fucking image. I know, powerful stuff. Speaking of which, that image is everywhere. Get in touch through all the usual channels if you want to participate in that. We would love to hear from you, because I think that this one is a pretty rich uh, pretty rich vein there. <laughs> yep. um, streaming platforms this week. I've actually taken a look at some of the stuff that got added last week as well, just uh, because we didn't get to do one last week, just uh, to help people out in case anything has popped up that you might have missed. Mm-hmm. On Netflix then, this past Friday, The Woods, season one, evidence found on the body of a homicide victim sparks hope in a prosecutor that his sister, who disappeared 25 years prior, could still be alive. Hitting Netflix today, Monday 15th, Hereditary. Ah, okay. Don't need to talk too much about that. It's amazing. It is amazing. After the death of her mother, artist Annie and her family uncovered their terrifying legacy and grapple with malevolent forces beyond their control... On Tuesday on Netflix, Cruel Peter, a teen tapping into the supernatural to connect with her late mother, becomes possessed when she accidentally resurrects the soul of a sadistic bully. And this Friday on Netflix, I think will be a big deal for a few of you out there, season three of The Sinner. Yeah, yeah, I hear people talking about this, but I've never watched it. Yeah, Yeah, Detective Harry Ambrose investigates a grisly car crash that leads to one of the most complicated and dangerous cases of his career. Shudder, Monday the 8th then, this past Monday, on the day they move into their new house, a Madrid couple and their daughter becomes the target of a brutal home invasion by a trio of masked criminals. Is that kidnapped? That's kidnapped, yeah. Oh, that, that's that's a, a wild film. I remember seeing that, I think I saw it at Grimfest one year, okay. and like, my heart was thumping the whole time. Like That's a tough watch. Oh, cool, okay. Nice. I might seek it out then. Also, this past Monday the 8th on Shudder, we've got Last Girl Standing. The only survivor of a brutal massacre, Cameron lives a reclusive life for four years. However, when she starts to put her life back on track, hauntings from the past make her unable to tell if she's going crazy or if the killer has finally returned. Question, have you seen this? I haven't, no. I caught this a while ago. Um, I reviewed it back when I had the website. And uh, this played at Fright Fest the year that it came out. But it basically starts with what would be the final scene of a slasher. Right. And then you get the final girl kind of escaping, and then it just becomes about what happens to her after that. Oh, right, okay. It's really cool. I really liked it a lot. It's very, very interesting, and it's available now on Shudder. Thursday the 11th, we had Warning, Do Not Play. Aspiring director Mi Jung struggles to come up with ideas for a new horror film until her friend Jun Siu tells her about a mysterious film rumoured to be shot by a ghost. Oh. <laughs> 
And uh, Friday the 12th, and obviously Friday the 19th as well, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great stuff coming to Shudder this week. Monday, June 15th, The Bone Box. A grave robber comes to believe he's being haunted by those he stole from. Ooh. Uh, also, The Void, festival favourite from a couple of years ago. Yeah, Steve Kostansky. The very same. Cloaked cult-like figures trap a police officer, patients and staffers inside a hospital that is a gateway to evil. See, I love this film in, ha- in part. I think it starts half. off so, so strong and then it kind of loses its way, I think, in the second half. Yeah, I'm a little bit the same with that one. Also on Monday on Shudder, Perry Blackshear's They Look Like People. Ooh, amazing. Suspecting that the people around him are turning into evil creatures, a troubled man questions whether to protect his only friend from an impending war or from himself. This is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely love it. Really glad that people are finally going to get a chance to see it um, a little easier in the UK now. Also on Thursday the 18th, Scare Package. That is a Shudder original. Uh, seven filmmakers present seven terrifying and comedic tales of horror. A lot of talk about this one. I think it had Eddie its world premiere the other night on uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, that's cool. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, that's available from Thursday this week. A little bit on Amazon Prime uh, from last week. Sunday the 14th, films that need no introduction. Back to the Future 1 to 3. Sure. And uh, this is kind of a loose one to, uh, to include, but I think it's really funny, and it is also quite dark, like surprisingly dark, so I want to mention it. This past Wednesday, Game Night got added. Uh, Jason Bateman. Yes, a group of friends who meet regularly for game nights find themselves entangled in a real-life mystery when the shady brother of one of them is seemingly kidnapped by dangerous gangsters. I love this film. Yeah, this gets pretty dark towards the end. It's quite violent, is it a call? It's really quite violent, yeah. I'm surprised. It's one of those things that you're kind of surprised that everyone involved in it are such big names and they're putting their name on something that goes so kind of dark. Yeah, interesting. And just a couple of things in Sky Cinema quickly. Uh, on Wednesday the 10th, we had The Dark Red. After claiming that her newborn baby was stolen by a cult, a young woman is committed to a psychiatric hospital. And also available now, I think now meaning that all three of these are available on platforms in general, Annabelle Comes Home. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Judy and her babysitter are left alone in her house after her parents leave to investigate a case. However, an unexpected guest sets Annabelle free, unleashing demonic activity in the house. Did you see so this yet? I haven't yet, no. I've seen Annabelle Creation. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this yet. Uh, That's your lot. My pick for this week, personally, I would say would be They Look Like People, but there's a whole load of amazing stuff there. Yeah, from the things I've seen, it's hard to see past uh, They Look Like People or Hereditary. Mm -hmm, But yeah, you've got some good things to say about Kidnapped as well, though. Uh, It's uh, it's rough. Don't go into it expecting a good time, because it is not. Okay, cool. So uh, plenty of stuff to be getting stuck into on the streaming platforms this week. So I suppose all there is left for us to do is turn our attentions to this week's show, episode 106. Yes, let's do it. Now, we do have a guest this week, and it's somebody that a few of you have been mentioning that you'd like to hear on the show. Yeah, also completing a set. Yeah, we now have both halves of the presenting team of the Arrow Video podcast. We've already had Sam Ashurst, of course. This week we have his co-host on that show, and also special effects man on such films as Girl on the Third Floor, Lords of Chaos, The Color Out of Space, and Possessor. It's Dan Martin. Wow. Amazing. Uh, what see? Just I mean, he's done so many amazing films, but see, just those four you mentioned there, like the most, some of the most recent stuff, unbelievable. <laughs> yes, an incredible CV, really. Yeah, hearing it put out like that is just, is just mad. Yeah, but Dan is joining us, um, and I, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think it's the first time we've done a Lucio Fulci film on the show. I believe it is, and it's one of the weirder ones, the one of the madder ones. Um, it's Murder Rock. It is indeed Murder Rock. Now, a quick word on availability on this one. It's quite hard to get hold of in the UK without buying it. Mm-hmm. However, it is available in dubbed form on YouTube, and uh, we'll be sharing that link in the Chud Locker. Yeah. If you go and check it out, if you want to get it watched before the episode. But episode 106, this Friday, special effects man Dan Martin joins us to talk Murder Rock. This is going to be fun. 
Yeah, I can't wait for this. Um, Mitch, anything of your own that you want to mention this week that you've got going on? Well, something that kind of ties in for both of us, um, because this past week you appeared on the YouTube channel Let's Survive Paddy Plays. Yeah, with our pal Paddy Murphy, where we talked a bit about horror video games. Yeah, and um, I've written the theme music for that. <laughs> you have, yes. Congratulations, well done. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, yeah, working with Paddy was fun. I'm hoping that it won't be the last time that happens. You can hear a little bit of me and a lot of you on that channel this week um, yeah. as uh, Paddy digs into gaming in a super entertaining way I think yeah I turned my cap back in that recording I never wear my cap like that I don't know what the fuck I was thinking but I've got my cap backwards for the whole thing yeah that's an interesting choice I must say um, weird. very weird everything else that I've got going on is um, kind of TBA but yeah sure. very busy just now what about yourself just a couple of things really uh, on Friday our pals at Hex Media Laurie Brewster and Sarah Daly past guests um, shared a link to my first short film Dysmorphia yeah which is very cool of them yeah and uh, absolutely galling of Laurie to say that there's nothing explicit in the film because it's quite a hard watch yeah I think that I, I don't know what has to happen in a film before Laurie thinks it's explicit <laughs> Um, and also, whichever day you're listening to this, uh, hopefully on the day that it goes out, I will be on Zoe Smith's podcast, Sober with a Shotgun. You may remember Zoe from the episode we did a while ago on Teeth. And I will be talking with Zoe about the best cannibal film ever made, Cannibal Holocaust. Fantastic. Great stuff. So yeah, we're both keeping busy this week. But if you want to get in touch with us uh, on podcast related matters, then there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and you can hop on to strongviolentpod.com to find a non-exhaustive list of places that you can listen to us. You can also find links to our Tee Public page and as soon as we're able to announce live things again, you will find links to our live shows there. Mm-hmm. Also, we've just got some kind of interesting, kind of cool stuff to announce in the next little while. Uh, it's all pretty exciting, but also terrifying. <laughs> so stay tuned um, and stick with us because we have got some ideas for kind of growing this thing outwards and yeah. we'll be telling you all about that very soon indeed yeah and thanks to everyone for being so cool with us taking the time off over the past week or so um, I think we can all agree that it just wasn't appropriate for us to do something at that time yeah uniformly people kind of backing us up on that one which was very vindicating appreciate that yeah. a lot we will be back though this Friday for episode 106 talking Lucio Fulci's Murder Rock with Dan Martin join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chubs goodbye bye you've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain production and artwork by Andy Stewart Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 